Oh, look at that. We are live right now on Facebook, on YouTube, coming at you. Hi, this is the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. Uh, we are the Arkin Brothers. I'm Tony Arkin. That's Matthew Arkin. And um, we're talking about whatever happened to Baby Jane from 1962, directed by Robert Aldrich and starring the great Betty Davis, the great Joan Crawford, the amazing Victor Buono, several other people. Um, and we're going to try to get to the bottom of this with some help from our friends. Talking about cocktails that are stylish, movies great or phony, and how Tony should win and Matthew, then Matthew should win and Tony. But in the meantime, talking about film in the meantime, the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. I don't think there's ever been a better photograph of the two of us than, than the one they inserted into that opening sequence. I'm going to get that framed and hung on my wall. Uh, great. I'll come over and, and drink <clears throat> fine beverages underneath it on your couch. Awesome. Fantastic. So, uh, hey there, brother. Hey, brother. We haven't done this for a while. It's been a little bit of a hiatus. Yeah. Um, it's nice to be doing the show now. Um, yeah. You said that you implied uh, pre-show that you were a little bit grumpy, and I, I'm assuming that's just because it's early in the morning and it's a, it's a Tuesday. No, I'm not. Or a little, Wednesday. I'm not a little bit grumpy. I'm not You're a, a lot. Grumpy. You're really I'm grumpy. I'm really grumpy. I don't know. What happened? Did yeah. something happen or just that's the mood you're in today? You didn't eat your dinner, so you'll have to wait till lunchtime. That's why you're, you gotta, you're, maybe you're hangry. I'm hangry. I'm very hangry. Yeah, you're not in it. You're not grumpy at all. No, uh, it's just, you know, starting this business, I know people are tired of hearing about it, but I don't care. You know, I really just don't care this what is other your, people. This is your platform this, and your time. This is my time. They don't have to listen to the show. No, they, they, they can turn to, to another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I am, <sighs> yeah, there you go. Uh, this business that I've started with my friends, uh, the the booze, Batch 22, totally unprepared for how it was going to take over my life. And, um, you know, all the many different therapists who I'm seeing now tell me it doesn't matter if things are good. You know, even if things are good, change is stressful. Even if it's good change. Right. So all kinds of good things are happening. And all I feel is stress and pressure and terror all day long. Right. And uh, I'm not sleeping. I've uh, People keep saying to me, you look great. I'm like, yeah, stress takes the weight right off you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the great thing about it is that, as you said, this is all things in your mind and the, in re, in the, on the ground, things are, things are actually going well. So, yeah. uh, so I, I don't feel too bad at poking gentle fun at your situation. Thank you. But, I don't. But, but my mind is actually where I have to live. Like that's true. I have to, li I have to live there. That's true. So but ninety five percent of the people that you know don't live there. I would say ninety five ninety five percent. Would that would that would imply that I know twenty people, myself included. We can you can go online. This can be online, friends. 
okay, online friends mm-hmm. would be, uh, there are thousands of people who I know. So it's right. like 0.01% of the people I know don't know. Everybody except 0.01%. Right. So that's a small, right. Most people don't. Most, some people do, but most people don't. Are you trying to make me feel better? I am simply trying to, <laughs> you know, have a nice discourse with you on a, on a, on a, in a public forum. Let's go in the kitchen and have a have a drink together. It's nice there, and then and then we can be be friends again. We're we are friends now. I don't want to imply. No, we're not, we're friends. But this uh, of public forum. So I should like keep my private stuff private here. No, I, I don't want to. I don't want to ask. No, my you can say what you want. You're my censoring point was me. you're censoring me already. They're not like the things yeah. I can't. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, I misunderstood. You miss. I I misspoke. And and I I apologize. I meant oh, that I didn't want to probe into things that were personal. Uh, that's your that's your point. That's your uh, purview to say what you want to about your life and the, and the complications thereof. I uh, I don't uh, not controlling you. Uh yeah. Well, there's stuff I'm not going to talk about. There's stuff I will talk about. You know. Okay. Well, let me put it this way. Uh, dear listeners, the things, the other things that I do know about that are happening with Matthew are also positive things, um, stressful, but positive. And I don't know. I haven't heard any bad news from you in, a, in weeks. It's been a while. Yeah. I call you angry with good news. You do like yeah. this happened. We yeah. won another award. Yeah. Damn it. Now you know I how many have... emails I'm going to have to send out because of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, you know, success is a hard thing to deal with in life. If you're used to. uh, When you're you're used to failure, it's you you get really throws you. It it throws you for a loop. Yeah. Failure. I got used to failure and loneliness. Mm. Um, They were very comfortable. They're yeah. very addictive. And I, cozy, I addictive. wish I could just go back to failure and loneliness because it was easy. Oh, well, it's always there waiting. It don't, it's not that far away. <laughs> it's right around. <laughs> it's the just sitting there waiting. Don't worry. Failure and loneliness is right around the, <laughs> yeah. right around the corner. Uh, I was uh, at a bar yesterday. This was a great, I think I'm going to get a t-shirt for, for batch 22 saying this. I, I uh, handed a sample of batch 22 to a bar manager that we're trying to get into in downtown LA. And he tasted it and uh, he looked at me and he said, wow, um, easier to drink than to sell. I was like, great. That's that's wonderful. That's a great description of our product. Once yeah. people once people taste it, they love it. Right. But when we're trying to get people to taste it, you know, it's not a it's not a gin. No, it's not a gin. It's not a scotch. No, it's not a scotch. It's not a, a tequila. No. Well, what is it? It's Aquavit. What's Aquavit? It's a neutral grain spirit infused with citrus, herbs, and spices. What's neutral grain spirit? You know what vodka is? Yeah, that's neutral grain spirit. It's made from grain. It has no fl- like so. People like argue with us for uh, ten yeah. minutes before they taste it. They won't taste it. How about this? How about this? I have an idea. Just I mean, I know you have. You just want the, me to calm, a battalion want me to calm of down publicists and talk about the movie. No, calm yeah, down you have a battalion. You. No, you have a battalion of publicists working for you. I know that you've got the best of the best. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody that used to work at you know BBDNO is is on your on speed dial. The batch team, but when they ask what is this, instead of giving them a scientific explanation of what it is, yeah, isn't isn't Aquavit the national drink of a pl- of some place? 
Well, it's it's a Scandinavian, traditional Scandinavian spirit. Could you we, say could you say without lying that it is the most important thing in all of Scandinavia? It is that is that is what it is. Oh, I can think of many things in Scandinavia that are more important than Aquavit. <laughs> but don't get but me But I mean flooded. like like I mean I don't know, like it, it, there must be a, a country where Aquavit is their is their drink. It's their thing. It's that's that's their national. A lot of Norway, a lot of Sweden, a lot right. of Finland. You could yeah. uh, couldn't you just say like it's just the national drink of Norway, you know. <laughs> I could dumbass. Just to get them to taste it. Because once people taste it, they love it. You've tasted it. Well, I mean, it. that's an e- I, I Yes, but I mean, isn't that an easier sell than than like, well, it's a grain alcohol worth flavor. It's it, it's a thing, and it's the national, it's like the thing that you drink in Norway or these other well, countries. our producers are, are telling me it is the national spirit of Sweden, Norway, and Denmark. So I think you've got a, you've got an automatic um hook right there because it makes your it makes the person you're talking to sound so stupid but there's nothing they can do about it <laughs> and, and... yeah and i like making people feel stupid so i want to bring should... i want to make you happier okay so there you there was my that was my recipe for your happiness the postman says that's best to do Oh, good. That earworm is going to be in my, oh my God. We're going to hear a lot of that today. We're going to hear a lot of that today. Well, it's playing on a loop in my head ever since watching this movie. Yeah. And uh, it's starting to make me feel like. Entirely uh, on purpose. Baby Jane. Okay. Let's, why don't we start talking about maybe the movie. Now, let me let me let's also explain that we're we're covering baby Jane because we really didn't get to do our uh, thank you. uh, Yes. Excellent choice. Betty Davis was amazing in this movie. Yes. I am. I don't know what after Halloween would we cover it? No, this was our Halloween ender. Right. Yeah. And then we we got on. Then I had a notice. Yeah, I had, had a nervous, nervous breakdown, and yes. we had to delay everything. I didn't want to, I didn't want to put too fine a point on it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And um, and then so now we're doing it now. It's a little late, so I, I I'm 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 only a little disadvantaged because I've seen the movie many times, but I I watched it and took notes like a week or more ago. And you're not, disadvantaged. You're... I'm disadvantaged. We should tell people why I'm disadvantaged. Um, Matthew's disadvantaged because he couldn't get, he doesn't care about, uh, anybody anymore. Well, and there's a whole new way we're doing the show now. So, you know, people, yeah. people may notice the, the, the fan of the show, let, let's mm-hmm. just be honest, the fan right. of the show, um, may notice that my participation in the show is going to be very different henceforth and onward. So far, it seems very similar to what we've really? had. Well, we're chatting like people that know each other. It's a yeah, preamble. Gonna, yeah, all right. Maybe it will be similar, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, all right. Let's just. Oh, shut up! <laughs> Don't worry. I got you. I got you. See, the this point being, Matthew like... has been very, very busy, and he doesn't have quite as much time to sit and take notes and bear down on the movie the way that it, you know he's a professor. He wants to do this with due diligence. He's unable to do that right now because business has been very busy. And, uh, you know, it was either like 
it was either put the show on a hiatus for a little while until he was more free, or we just or we do the show uh, wherein I only talk and he just watches me. And, and we decided I watched... we went for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to watch the movie, but I'm just going to sit and watch the movie and then talk about it. I'm not going to try and be intelligent anymore. I'm... You I may know, have been failing before. I may not have been intelligent before, but I was trying to be intelligent before, and it was taking too much time and energy. So I've just decided to surrender to my own right. uh, emotions and mediocrity, and uh, you're going to just have to hear whatever comes out of my face. Well, you know, I can't say that. I mean, I may have taken notes like you did before. I can't say that anything smart came out of my face because I took notes. I mostly just respond to things you say, and I I grunt back at you uh, with something that feels appropriate in the moment. Okay, that's how it's worked for me. Um, you know, I mean, but now that we're talking about it, now that we're on the subject of our week's film, which is whatever happened to Baby Jane. I mean, I have some questions for you, and I got you, man. I got you. I got. We can. We have help in the studio waiting to jump in here and answer some questions for us. If we, if we run out of things to say, I don't think we will, but okay. did you, um, for instance, ever see this movie before? I don't believe I ever saw it. If I did see it, I saw it when I was, uh, when I should not have seen it, like maybe at six or seven years old and was maybe damaged by it. Yeah. Because I would have, I would have picked, I would have pegged this as an Avila beach movie for you. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, it, you it, talked about going to the movies to see scary movies down on the like at the movie theater near the boardwalk or something. Yeah. And so the, the, <clears throat> this could be one of the elements of of my well-known PTSD. Right. But you just sim it's missing time. It's a it's a piece of missing time for your, from yeah. your childhood. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Um. I did see this as a younger person. This was a a uh, this was a blockbuster rental, and I think that uh, I saw it alone when Ooh. I was probably, you know, four, you know, thirteen, fourteen years old, and um, scared the bejesus out of me. Really freaked me out. So I was scarred. I wasn't even a little baby when I saw it, and it freaked me out. I'm sure it would have done a number on you what um what is your what is your relationship with uh with betty davis we were very close mm -hmm. uh for a time mm -hmm. uh i would go over to her place for tea um no i have no relationship with back betty when davis. you tuned her piano uh, what's happening <laughs> yeah, no, I, had, <laughs> I have no relationship with betty davis except um and and uh fan of the show mom may want to cover her ears for a minute or maybe not uh there was always in my mind because i'm i'm not, I'm not a follower of the betty davis oeuvre um i'm familiar with her more from clips and some movies that i've seen but there was in my mind there has always been and you may say i'm crazy or you may agree with me i don't know it'll be interesting to find out um a conflating in my mind between betty davis and grandma dana oh i can totally see that uh, they're, okay they're, i'm not yeah. crazy i mean i no, am no crazy, no no you're not, not for that. And, and in fact um in fact i know this is a the timing is off for fan of the show mom to um 
or mom of the show. We could call mom her. Of, we could call her mom, mom of the, of the show. show. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I believe that grandma uh, knew Betty Davis, that they were that they were friends when they were younger. You know, they, I, I can actually say out. with 99 percent. I didn't dream that. That's true. They that they were friends. Well, our producers may be able to tell us if Betty Davis went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts I, in New York. I know. I know that she. I know this is a true story. Um, because but you could vet this for us, guys, if you if you have the, if you have a chance. Yeah, um, Grandpa Dana yeah, no. and 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 uh, Grandpa and Grandma Dana were at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York. Yeah, in the thirties. Uh, thirties. So Yes, I believe. Yes, she did. So this is all true. I did not make this up. Uh, Grandma knew uh, Betty Davis as a, wow. as a young actor, and um, knew a lot of fame. They they knew a lot of very famous people, including Henry Fonda, I think too. You know, and um, um and uh, I I think Grandpa went to might have gone to college with. Uh... Oh, never he, mind. He, he was there. He was there a year. Uh, Jimmy Stewart graduated a year before. That's right. Him, I think. There you yeah. go. Right. So anyway, they were around a lot of people at that time who were getting into Hollywood. So, uh, yeah, no, I don't think it's crazy that they were similar even to me. I think there is a similarity there. So that um, that that was coming up for me watching the movie. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh. Because. Uh. Yeah. Because. It okay. Was. Well. So, that, so you have no, you have no like Betty Davis experience. You're not, you're not trained. You're not licensed for Betty Davis. Um, and you need right? a license for Betty Davis. <laughs> yeah. You do need, um, she's, she's for professionals. Uh, I'm, I'm married to a Betty Davis, um, fan. Um, Amelia is, you know, Amelia kind of taught me how to, how to watch Betty Davis. Um, Oh, Stephen Jules Rubin. Wow, I wish I could just ask someone to look stuff up for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's great. It, it's as good as it looks like it is. It's great. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, so uh, yeah, Amelia takes Betty Davis pretty seriously, and I, you know, I had as a young person seen this and a couple other things, so I knew she was considered a great actress. But uh, now I'm like a pretty big fan. Like at this point, I'm I've seen I've seen her famous stuff. I've seen what she can do. I've seen why she's got her reputation and she's she's unbelievable. She really is. Yeah. I um I kind of wish I'd been able to hang out on this set. Really? Okay. Well, yeah. Hang out or just, just watch or just watch. Just, just stand by craft service yeah. and watch what went on between Jones. Eat your lunch, it'll get cold. It's an incredible thing to witness happening, right? Like yeah. it's actually a great way to talk to you about it because you really didn't know what you were in for here. I mean, I guess you had an idea, but I like in terms idea, of these two but... titans battling it out together, Crawford and her, they bring this energy to it that's it's pretty unique. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this element of, yeah, we're we're older now, we're past the period of our of our, you know, youthful stardom. The the sixties are just beginning to happen. 
and I'm going to prove to the world that I'm still it and to you. <laughs> yeah. It feels like, yeah, it feels like, um, it feels like a kind of a weird scuzzy biker movie version of psycho in a way it's got similar <laughs> elements to that. It feels like it's in the same universe. It almost feels like it was happening in another part of town while yeah. psycho was happening. Um, and you know, it's directed, you know, who directed this movie and, and uh, why that might be interesting to you. Mr. Aldrich. Right. Kiss me deadly. Robert Aldrich. Oh my God. Which is why you saw some of the same actors popping up here. Yeah. Another person I want to hang out with. Yeah. yeah. Aldrich. Aldrich would be, uh, have been a great director to talk to about yeah. his style and approach. So for those of you who don't know what this movie is, um, it is, uh, it's a, a kind of a horror movie that pits um, uh, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis together in a film for the first time after a, after decades long rivalry as two stars in real life uh, who had enormous baggage with each other. They were approached to do this crazy, crazy horror movie together about a, a two sisters who had been in show business in their past. One was a child, child star played by Betty Davis, who was called Baby Jane back in the day in like the 19. It starts in 1917. So back in the in the 20s. And then um, she falls out of favor and little Joan Crawford becomes famous for a little while. And then an accident happens and renders Joan Crawford in unable to walk. And it's kind of a Hollywood scandal and a tragedy. And then we kind of fast forward to present day, like late 50s L.A. And um, these two sisters live in a house together. And it's gone kind of gray gardens. It's kind of gone to, to the dark side. And I couldn't do a thing like that, not to my own sister. Yeah, there you go. You hear that music now back there. It's very, it's very uh, like Hitchcock adjacent. He said, um, with some real shocks in it for the time. That's what we're talking about now. Were you were you surprised at what it what, what it was like at the end of the day? Did it have any surprises or after all this time? Is it what you thought it was going to be? No, it was right in the zone I thought it was going to be in. <laughs> it was, it was, there was no, there was no part of it where I was like, wow, I did not expect this in terms of tone and performance. It was, I, I knew enough about both of them and that, that it, it, it was right where I thought it was going to be in a pleasing way. I mean, right. It, it's it's a hell of a ride. I, the thing the thing that was the most surprising to me was the young Victor Buono. Right, it's like just oh my god, he's introducing great. Victor Buono. <laughs> yeah, he's great. <laughs> introducing him and delivering for me what I guess are my favorite scenes. I think in this are the scenes with him and her, the weird courtship that kind of starts happening. Very bizarre. Twisted courtship. Um, apparently it was his only Oscar nominated performance. Which 
I guess makes sense. I mean, you've seen Victor Bueno in a thousand things, but this it makes is total a... sense that after they realized that that's just who he was. Yeah, that's what he. That's you what wouldn't he's get doing. you wouldn't get nominated for just being a strange person. So we're also informed here, and this is something that I'd forgotten that Hitchcock was approached to direct this, but he was he was busy with press for Psycho. Wow. Um, and that's interesting because you can see like Aldrich had certainly had its own style, but this. This is definitely influenced by Psycho, as everything was after Psycho came out. I mean, it had to be. Um, yes, she did. She tried to murder her own sister. <laughs> so I'm curious because, you know, we were we were asked to do this movie by our producers. Yes, we were. So I'm curious if if um, Sophia and Alexis want to come on the show for a second here and a little and give us some background on their fascination with the movie, because um, I feel like we'd just be kind of half assing this where their ex where their expertise come into play. Yeah. Um, would you like to join us, uh, ladies? Hello. <laughs> okay very nicely done fantastic thanks for being on the show with us today um thank you for letting us on and thank you for watching this movie are, are you kidding? kidding i there you go <laughs> i've been like i said watching I've, I've been watching it perennially since i was i guess like i said 14 or so how did you both come across it how were you introduced to it our mom introduced us to it. She is a huge fan of the film. She loves Betty Davis and she showed it to us in probably 2015, 2014, sometime around then. Okay, okay so hold on, hold on a second. 2014 you were Hold on. <laughs> You're pretty young you, to see you this were, movie. You were 8. Yes. Yeah. And I was um, 11. Yeah. Okay. So this explains a lot. This explains a lot <laughs> to me because I've spent time with you guys and I've wondered often, where did it all go wrong for them? And, it and, started with this movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can never lose your talent, he used to tell me. You can lose everything else, but you can't lose your talent. What, um... So what's interesting here is that, like, I know a little bit about the movies that your mom, and I'm assuming your mom is making these decisions about what movies you're seeing, or you, you, you're always mentioning that your mom introduced you to something. So yeah. is your dad not really the one who's introducing you to movies? It's more your mom's kind of, uh, kind of gig to. Our, our dad shows us some movies. Um, our mom is like, she, she's the filmmaker and, um, has like all this rich knowledge and, of the history of okay. Hollywood, old Hollywood specifically. So um you had the same problem. You had the same problem I had growing up. Is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. So um what's curious to me now that I've heard this before, your mom introduced you to this. She showed you this movie. I know the movie she she hasn't even shown you yet because she thinks you're too young. What did so she so she showed you this when you were like seven or eight years old though? She yeah. also showed us Midnight Cowboy when we were like nine so. all right we shouldn't even discuss that but yeah. that's a different show, can but... you guys hold hold on one second i have to call uh child protective services and I'll, I'll... this is the most traumatizing film and 
I would imagine, because uh, it was for me as a kid too, I think specifically as a kid, as a viewpoint into, you know, weird, uh, you know, um, adult, adult territory. It's still pretty bizarre. Yeah, it yeah. helped us understand like what our future relationship will be. Exactly. Right, great. Well, you're, yeah. you're, you're planning well ahead. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, I noticed when I was up there and we were out in the driveway and you were doing stuff for your, your uh, driving test, Alexis, that uh, Sophia stayed well away from the car yeah. at all times. I, I, I did notice that. The date specifically, yeah. Yeah. Have you got it arranged who who's going to be in the wheelchair or or? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Elia will be our our Victor Buono. Yeah. Well, I know who Tony and I are in this movie very clearly. Oh, I do too. You can't. So you did do a little casting. Yeah, I did. I, I, t I what I did was I took very relaxed notes when I felt like it just okay. dictated them into my phone. I just didn't, okay. I didn't stress out over it, but I did do a, I did do a recasting. So, okay. So now, so we have Alexis and Sophia on the show. What, what, what is it that has kept this being one of your favorite movies? Like, cause you've said this is, you keep going back to this as kind of like a, a really important movie for you both. Um, what is it about it that is so captivating? You want to start? I would say probably, you know, just kind of the whole premise is just so brilliant and beautifully constructed. And um, one of the things that I really like about it is that everybody, um, every character in the movie is viewing the situation through a completely different lens and all of them start to overlap at some point like for instance um victor buono is kind of looking at it through a very money money standpoint but then he also has some resentment possibly for older women as we see with his relationship with his mother um, yes doesn't it so the fine woman you've chosen to run around with turns out to be broke and a murderer as well exactly yeah. that and same thing goes for like Jane has such resentment for Blanche because she's become her maid waiting on her all day. Um, and she's kind of spent her entire life, uh, all of the years that she has had left to kind of be a vibrant young person. She spent um, being her sister's maid. And then Blanche, as we know, she kind of turns and she becomes the villain of this movie, we believe. But right. I think the only person in this who is looking at the situation just straight on is Mady Norman. Uh, she plays Elvira because she's, you know, she just sees it completely as it is. And that doesn't last long for her, but no. Yeah. Yeah. And is it the, what is it that you, I mean, is it the acting or the, the, is it the whole package? Because was this, I, I'm curious your gateway to Betty Davis is, uh, um, and Stephen Jules Rubin says, how is these kids make me feel very stupid? They will continue to do that, Steve. Yeah. Just keep watching. Um, uh, wh what? Talk to me about Betty Davis. We can talk about Joan Crawford, too. I'm assuming the first big draw was Betty Davis for you, for this movie. Or, yes. or am I wrong about that? Sophia is the Betty Davis um, really big fan. Um, we'd seen 
What was our first? Mildred about, Pierce was our first. Oh, no, no, All for, About for, Eve, right? For Joe, uh, Betty Davis. Betty Davis. Yes, All About Eve, I think, was our introduction to Betty, to Betty Davis, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a favorite Betty Davis uh, movie uh, or performance? They don't have to be the same. Hmm. You know we got rats in the cellar? Yeah, you know, probably it's this one, I think. Okay. It's so crazy to see somebody this... Um, I mean, this is a brave, this is brave work. Like, I don't like that phrase very often when I hear people talk about acting being brave or what, because, because most of the time it's, it's not, it's what we do. It's just like a scene. It's not really happening, but uh, this seems brave to me and from both of them, like, like legitimately. Um, yeah. And by the way, Betty Davis, like was in control over her makeup and her hair. The, the wig she was wearing was a wig that Joan Crawford had worn in an MGM movie like years before. Um, everything everything that she does in this performance is just, it, it really feels unhinged. And, um, oh, what was the thing about when she was driving? Oh, Every- yeah. She actually was, because of the tight budget, they didn't have a green screen for when she was. Oh, I noticed. She's actually driving around yeah, Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. The cinematographer was just kind of, hanging over the the side with a 70 pound camera right she said that she got she'll never whenever she rewatches it it always brings a smile to her face because um she would remember the looks that she got from people on the street seeing Mm -hmm. her drive that car Mm -hmm. uh, with you know her whole get up i uh like i said amelia you know made me a kind of a betty davis fan um i hadn't really been introduced to stuff so i recommend matthew get into other movies of hers what would you say he should see what are the other ones obviously all about eve yeah um Um, maybe man who came to dinner okay maybe maybe jezebel too oh yeah okay yeah and we still haven't seen now voyager um our mom is gonna show us that and yeah i've heard amazing things about it do we want to do a betty davis run on the show yeah, this, that's a good idea. That would be good. I love you. And then we can do a Victor Buono run. The look on Mick, Victor Buono's face during that scene, and when he says, "That's wonderful," <laughs> we regularly like, quote quote that in the house. It's amazing. Nope. His line. Here comes the super chief. <laughs> he has my favorite line where he says, uh, I don't see how you could fail. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, this is actually the first movie that we ever purchased on Amazon. It was the first really? one we ever it was, yeah, it was the yeah. first one we ever bought. And Are by you... the way, we have this like uh the screen in our house. Um it's like you know, big screen. Um, you unfurl and watching it on there, like at midnight. It's just, it's an entirely different experience from just watching it, you know, on your TV. It's so specific. And you just, you notice things that you never would have noticed otherwise. Um, What is your, do you have a favorite sequence or scene or, or a design element? Hmm. Um, the lighting? I think it's, it's uh, yeah, exactly. When she, when she steps underneath, when she's, uh, it's about 15 minutes of the movie, 33 minutes. In and um, 
You're yeah. talking about the, the halo. The halo. Sh are you talking about the halo yeah. shot? She yeah. steps under the light, and it just reveals her own insanity and uh, aging vanity. And actually, the lighting throughout the whole movie—it's it's yeah. so it's so specific, and it really like drives the feeling of the scenes. But Revealing they that they do that amazing thing at the very end when she goes to the the ice cream to get the ice cream, and they completely change her makeup. And she looks young and attractive all of a sudden. By the way, in that ice cream, I think it was in the end in that ice cream scene, you can see Pepsi Cola product product placement. It's really hard to see, but because Joan Crawford was um, she was pretty much a Pepsi Cola ambassador, and she would get them into uh, product placement shots. That's right, because she was doing all kinds of side businesses at that point yeah. to make yeah. money. And, and there was also, earlier also, in the movie, there's the uh, you see very clearly the squirt and smooth sailing with squirt and Smirnoff. And I think squirt mm -hmm. was a, a, a Pepsi Cola company product, the that soda. You know, what's interesting about that is that there's also a really pointed <clears throat> criticism of, of like advertising and ad culture in this movie. There's an early example of a fake commercial. I'm assuming it's a fake commercial for dog food remember that kind of early-ish in the film and it really feels like aldrich is kind of making fun of this cheap commercialization that's happened to the business and to hollywood and then to also have this product placement it's an interesting example of both like being a movie that's really kind of on point early hypercritical of it and then doing it at the end that's really weird totally because it, it, it definitely it captures the feeling of like being from another time and then finding yourself in the middle of like a modern age where you just, you don't belong. And I, I think one of the most evident examples of that, that I can think of is just the fact that um, BD Merrill, who was Betty Davis's daughter uh, is playing the neighbor. Mm -hmm. And just like Sophia was saying, everyone sees something through a different lens and hers is just all through gossip. And to see that versus like these aging film stars, it's just, yeah. Amazing. Well, uh, as long as everything's all right, I, uh, I guess I'll just say good night. Doesn't Betty Davis has some kind of like offhand quip about that his, her daughter character daughter's character as well? I I remember she has something kind of sniffy to say, which I thought might have been on purpose. <laughs> her daughter doesn't have a very big role, um, but I don't know if she went on to have many big roles. I didn't research that. I don't think no. she acted a lot. No, she didn't. She was um she was 15 at the time. She had done a uh, she was also she made a cameo in one of De Betty Davis's earlier films, I think 11 years before this movie. But she didn't have a film career. At 16, she got married to Jeremy Hyman. Uh Hy Hyman? Yeah. Yeah. And he was actually the nephew of the owner of uh Seven Seven Arts, Seven Arts Productions who which made Whatever happened to Baby Jane? Okay. She actually also wrote a tell-all book about her her mom, right around the time of that Mommy Dearest came out. Oh really? Oh, yeah. Oh, so that's interesting. Those two, so so the two daughters' tell-all books were competing with each other in yeah. the bookstores. Which one beat? I guess Mommy Dearest. I guess Mommy John Dearest Crawford's kid won that, that movie, one. You know? It yeah. was called My Mother's Keeper. And mm. I watched an interview with um, with BD now now but she's BD Hyman, but she was saying that she was saying that really the only similarities between the two are that um, 
Christina Crawford's book is about her child. Well, the, the only similarity is that it's both tell-all books about a famous mom who existed in the same time period. And pretty much uh, she was saying that other than that, Christina's book is all about the child relationship, childhood relationships and um, how she was always vying for her mother's love and attention, whereas BD never had to do that. She was always given love and affection by okay. her mom. So it's a but, less abusive situation. Exactly. She okay. said she did not have child abuse when she was younger, younger, but um, it just kind of their relationships became more uh, kind of tumultuous when she got right. when she became an adult. Right. Are you fans of uh, melodrama in general or, or, or had you seen melodrama before you saw this movie? Because this is to me like one of the most prime examples of of great melodrama. I think yeah. so. Like we, we've yeah. seen a bit. And yeah, this is definitely one of the best. Um, so, OK, while I have you on, I'd also like to know if you uh, if you have any anything that you were dying to say about this movie. Uh, oh, he should have held that shot longer. I told him that when we were rehearsing also when we shot it. Oh, he wouldn't listen. Because you know, like, one, okay, one of, the, one of the things that uh, uh, got Matthew and I wanted to do this show in the first place was um, talking about older movies that maybe people hadn't seen or hadn't or, ne or, or neglected. Um, I was so intrigued by the fact that you're both uh, quite a bit younger than us, but nevertheless, really still like the same movies that I liked growing up in the same way, because I liked movies that weren't of my generation either. I liked stuff that was before I was born at the time too. So why uh, make, why should people of, uh, of your generation watch this movie? Why, why would you recommend that they do? Um, if it just, unless they're a film nut, like, okay, let's, they're a film nut, then they're going to watch it. They'll watch it anyway, but but if they're a general, if they're a regular person, regular person, yeah, a regular, I, healthy, well-adjusted person, why should they watch this movie? I think in general, it's it's just so entertaining and it's just so well done. So when you're watching it, it's like it's like candy, basically. So it, it's an experience that um, you will carry with you for the rest of your life because whether you like, bet I won't forget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and then also just I think the controversy surrounding it, um, it you know, has a tendency to like kind of overshadow the product itself. Right. And I think that it's worth just sitting down and exploring a movie and just taking it for what it is versus like all of the gossip and the stuff surrounding it. Okay. All right. Let's hear a little bit more about that because I don't have a background in it. I don't, what is the scandal or gossip or. I won't forget. Well, the rivalry between the two stars is what you're okay. talking about. right? Yeah. But did that lead to on set tension and shenanigans? Yes. Yes. This is Miss Hudson. One of the, um, First, it, it was it was already kind of carrying some old uh, Hollywood uh, controversy with it because a lot of people found that it was loosely based off of Mary Miles Minter and her relationship with her mother and the death of the silent film director Desmond Taylor, um, who was shot to death in his bungalow. And it ended up being like a kind of a cold case. Um, there's this wonderful book called A Cast of Killers that's all about that. 
And um, so a lot of people found going into it and approaching the project that this was the Mary Miles Minter story. I think that a good, very good friend of mine, that a, a cousin of his is one of the main suspects in that murder. Really? Yeah, yeah. it's fascinating. There you go. And it's Wait like, for me! Um, you can talk about the rivalry. like Oh, yeah, there was, um, of course, the rivalry on set between Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. And actually, they even made a show about that. It's called Few mm -hmm. Betty and Right, Betty. yeah, right, with uh, Jessica Lange. Jessica Lange and Susan Sarandon. And, um, well, I mean, Betty Davis said in, interviews, uh, said in some interviews later on in life, I think in 1984, she had an interview where she said um, that she could find similarities though between Joan Crawford and herself. And um, she said that Joan was always, uh, she always showed up on time, always knew her lines. And for the most part, she was incredibly professional. Mm. And she actually, I think she said something, I won't be able to tell it as well as she did, but she said that um, uh, she's sure that they both got under people's skin, you know, the same degree. Yeah. I, I also read that they, they um, they had a respect for each other at the yeah. end that at the end of the day, didn't Betty Davis have kind of appreciative words about Crawford that she said she really was a pro and exactly. Yes. Yeah. She, she said she was a pro. Uh -huh. Yeah. And from, right. from Joan Crawford to Betty Davis too. I think that a lot of the, all of the, the controversy surrounding like their rivalry was really just heightened by the studio. Yeah, um, I would imagine that it sounded always sounded to me like it was a, a, a ploy, like a gimmick in a way to like like yeah. wrestlers who, mm -hmm. you know, they make a lot out of wrestlers who have uh, beefs with each other. You know, it's like probably it was probably just to make more money and publicity. They, I don't care. And like, <laughs> didn't Jack Warner call it hagsploitation? Yeah. Hag yeah, it, it was it was all just kind wow. of like this ugly pitting these pitting these two two legends against each other. I don't think. It All was... right. Well, I could see, you know, I mean, I think one of the things that if you're if you have that's what Jack Warner said, he called it exploitation. That makes sense because like from his mindset of glamour and, you know, um, uh, the sophistication of the old Hollywood days and then to see what. Aldrich and all these these younger filmmakers were were kind of saying about Hollywood wasn't so nice. I could see that getting under people's skin, you know. Like, mm. I mean, it takes Sunset Boulevard to a much seedier place. Like, it's it's really kind of a more frightening version of that same thing, and takes the studios to task. So I can see Jack Warner not being that big a fan. And um, actually, kind of going back to what you said about. Betty Davis's performance being actually pretty brave. Um, uh, the the makeup artist, as Alexa said earlier, Betty Davis had a lot of control over how she would look. Right. And uh, she imagined, uh, she said she imagined Baby Jane as the kind of person she wouldn't wash her face. She would just put on another layer of makeup. Wow. Yeah, okay. And the makeup artist, uh, he was actually, he tried to talk her out of it. He was really worried that she would never work again after going this ugly with it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think even her daughter was shocked. She said, mother, this time you've gone too far. Right, wow. Like but they, I think Bob Aldrich was also concerned about that. And the studio was that it was a little bit too much. But a couple of weeks into filming, they realized she made the right choice. I mean, that's so, that's so extraordinary to have an actor 
you know, uh, uh, someone of her age who'd been in the glamorous position she had been for so long, right? To um, to be the one pushing that angle on the character that strongly is so amazing. I mean, it really is, uh, you know, a testament to how smart she she really was. I don't, and I don't mean to to negate uh, Joan Crawford. How do you feel about her in in, in in the in the movie and in general? I think she delivers a, a beautiful performance in this. I think that um, she, for, I mean, I can say yeah. what, I, what I noticed was like going back and rewatching it now that you know the ending, um, her performance is so complex and just really, really um, well delivered because you can see like when you go back to watch it, you don't believe anything she's saying and you don't believe kind of like this um, victimized act she's putting on. Like a martyr. Yeah, when you yeah. know the the final result. So I think that they both were like evenly matched in that. And I think frankly where the high exploitation element came in was because Betty Davis and Joan Crawford um, for that matter were leaning so hard into like the reality of these characters. I think the studio just did not know how to present that to an audience. Like taking these two glamorous stars and throwing them into these roles. I, I think that they felt the only way they could really deliver this was by putting that horror movie high exploitation package. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It, it's it's not only, when you think about it, it's not only kind of daring. It's not just daring for the time or or, or advanced thinking as actors of, at the time. It's It would be advanced now. I mean, that's really, it's the kind of thing you see, you know, um, Joaquin Phoenix get applauded for mm -hmm. uh, today as if it's something he kind of invented almost like yeah. this approach to acting or this kind of grand um, uh, this kind of grand theatrical vibe. The, these women own that and they almost like brought it to American audiences first. I don't... <laughs> outside of straight horror which this is kind of on the edge of being a horror movie to me you know actors weren't becoming grotesque on purpose it just wasn't something that they were doing um so i see like uh did she talk about the makeup references where she got it because i see a lot of like fellini like Lestrada. i see like you know that kind oh, of i can see that absolutely um you know um i think she said that it resembled uh, an age, the aged aged version of Mary Pickford. Uh, oh, okay. Mary Pickford in her interesting. Older age. So I think that may be where she got some of it from. But yeah, the Juliet de Messina reference that that very well could. could did have been she an ever draw on a heart? Like, did Mary Pickford? Or that heart kills that, me. I don't it's, know, but it's like, where did that come from? It's the best detail. It's so yeah. great. The year that I um. The year that Alexis and I went as Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, well, Baby Jane and Blanche for Halloween. Do we have that photo? Please tell me we have that photo. <laughs> um, that oh, we can it. see that. Yeah, find it. But um, the year that uh, we we went as as them for Halloween was the year that Suicide Squad came out, mm -hmm. and everybody thought I was Harley Quinn, <laughs> and I had the heart drawn on and. I think Harley Quinn has two hearts drawn on either I, side, so it, it just kind of... Oh, man. 
And that slept in makeup quality. That's also like Heath Ledger needs to give a nod to Betty Davis for that too. Yeah, because that's so like the Joker, you know. Um, outstanding. Outstanding. Um, who who would we all recast? Do you have some stuff, Matthew, that you Yeah, do, well, like I you... also have, I have a, a couple of, I have two questions about the movie. Two things made me nuts. I loved everything about it except for two things made me nuts. Why does Hello? Why doesn't she just get out slide herself out of the wheelchair and slide on the on her bottom down the stairs? Why does why does she have to go down the stairs standing up clutching the banister when she could fall at the bottom which she does? Why doesn't she just get on her bottom and slide down the stairs? Because if you took my legs away, I could, you know, if you paralyzed my legs, I could do that. I could slide down the stairs. And my other question is, why doesn't she yell out the window? It's a movie. The woman is. <laughs> <laughs> They're supposed to do what you wouldn't do. <laughs> they oh. always go to the basement in the horror movies. I mean, you could, you know, yeah, they do. And you could also say, well, why is she on the second floor? You know, why yeah. couldn't they put her, you know, that's an odd place to to live if you can't get down yeah. the stairs. But but um, there's just all these scenes of her looking out an open window at a person 20 feet away trying to figure out how to communicate with her. And it made me a little nuts. Um, I, 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 can, I, I agree with that a little bit. I mean, there are a couple of things in the movie that I, I, I could say could have been maybe a little tighter. Um, I don't think it's plotting. I don't think it's Hitchcock elements are its strongest element. Yeah. Is that, I mean, you think that's fair to say? Yeah. I mean, I loved it. There's just those little, oh, yeah, things. No, I, then I, there are little things like that that you could easily fix. Well, like, I mean, we, I, you know, we, the whole fun of this is to see if there's things that could be improved or that we um, can argue about. But, but the I recasting? Well, I also, here's my thing. Okay. I feel like, um, it doesn't have a great uh, trajectory in terms of its plot and energy. It feels like it it runs out of steam a little bit for me about two thirds in. You know, by the time she's making plans to get in the car. Oh, oh yes, there we go. Well, That's I can see the Harley Quinn reference, but I think that really has a lot to do with the fact that. This is color, you know. They saw their makeup in color, Sophia. Yeah. It's you know, if it were in black and white. Yeah, that's true. And you we know, actually, to... Betty Davis. Um, they originally wanted to shoot the film in color, <laughs> really? but Betty Davis said that that would just make um, a sad story look pretty. We have to post oh. the link to this photograph in the the, the Crawford uh, eyebrows are yeah. killing me, Alexis. Brilliantly done. Yeah, we have to post a link to this photograph in the in the description of the movie because everybody listening needs to see this. Yeah. I don't I here's my here's my little here's my little take on it. I don't think that the um I don't think that the surprise of the of the movie the the, the switcheroo that we get um really has as, as as much punch as it could or ends up being as necessary as it needs to be and I think um uh I think the ending I just think I would have preferred it if it had been like a corpse on the beach. 
<laughs> that's just my that's my take. Well, she I don't into one. Um, no, I mean, like she's clearly like Crawford's clearly alive at the end. Mm. And my whole thing is like I kind of in my perverse mind, I wish that this had ended with them realizing that she had her sister out on the beach about six hours like after she actually deceased that you could argue that if she died though if it was just her corpse on the beach even that would get too much attention like versus a dying lady you could argue that like I, I got you. I just yeah. I just feel like I could have used the extra the extra little punjaru would have been that would have been uh you know a little I couldn't do a thing like that, not to my own sister. Matthew, well, you had something else? Well that's um yeah, well there there is this weird thing at the end of the movie where suddenly the sixties become really present like the early six, late fifties, early sixties become really present with all the people on the beach with the, with the bathing suits, looking mm -hmm. at the stars. And it seemed to me to also be a comment on that they, you know, that they're completely living in the past and, and now we're in the future and the death of that old kind of Hollywood along with the death of their, their careers and the things that they were known for. Uh, because because the the people on the beach almost look like a beach blanket bingo kind of movie that they wandered into that yeah that and sure is a rotten way to get your picture in the paper that feels on purpose to me yeah. can we talk for a second about the i mean the physical violence the beatings that crawford yeah. takes betty davis when she slaps her i know we have got that clip that's one of the biggest, that's one of the heaviest. I'll maybe have him for yourself. Oh, man. Wow. Oh, it's so nasty. And then and she starts the kicking her in the guts over and over again. Yeah. The kicking is. It's brutal. Yeah. How yeah, much do we love the, the, more, the, sorry? Oh, this is a more realistic um, depiction of violence in a sister movie than I feel like we saw in any of the brother movies. For yeah. real. For real. Yeah. yeah absolutely. You know, that's and that kind of slapping and kicking. I mean, that's that's Aldrich. I mean, that's what he had in Kiss Me Deadly when he when when, uh, you know, he slaps that guy behind the desk. Yeah. At the health club. Yeah, that's right. You're not it's messing awesome. around. They love slapping people back then. Slapping yeah. with, you know, I guess it had a little bit of a revolutionary comeback this last year, too. But slapping is very popular. Yeah. Back in the day. <laughs> Um, how about all the voice mimicry, like from the Terminator that she can do? That freaks me out when she sounds just like her sister. Well, oh, the other thing I noticed, uh, and I don't know if you've put this together, Alexis and Sophia, but Joan Crawford and your mom have the same voice. Really? They watch that now. Be <laughs> yeah the way like it was like yeah li just listen to your mom talk and listen to joan crawford talk in this movie okay okay interesting yeah, we'll, we'll do that yeah which might explain a little bit of your fascination with the film yeah and sophia reminds me a lot of betty davis too yeah oh definitely sophia's oh. totally got a betty davis vibe going on 
Thank you. Yeah. As much as I love Betty Davis, I think maybe my favorite moment in the movie may have to belong to Crawford. Uh, it's not necessarily an acting moment. It's just a character. Th it's a thing that happens. But it's the it's the wheelchair freakouts when she starts spinning yeah, around and spinning, spinning the wheelchair and then there's spinning. the overhead shot that's like from Psycho of her going in circles. Oh my god, yeah, it's fantastic! That's, that's one of the few notes I took. The spinning wheelchair <laughs> this is classic. It's so good. Definitely. Also, the fact that for it, we don't know for a while that you know Betty Davis that baby that older baby Jane has this shrine to herself with like a little ballet bar and the little mini footlights and the whole thing. The reveal of that is, is absolutely priceless. That's spectacular. Yeah. Oh, I wish daddy could be here right now. Yeah. Oh, and Oh, uh, what happened to Tony? We lost Anthony. Oh my God. It's just me with you. I don't know what to do without oh, oh, all, oh, oh. <laughs> all his intelligence. Stop. Hello? <laughs> yeah. Where'd he go? Oh, my God. This is a nightmare. Oh, no. I can't. We were about to get to the recasting, and I want to. <laughs> we got to. Yeah, there he is. Oh, my God. Thank God you're back. Yeah, I got. Miss Blanche, are you all right in there? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just quickly. Shoot no, 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 wait. First, I want to know where you went. Where did you go? Oh, I just had some guy came by for a thing. It's none of your business. Yeah, Let's okay. just keep going. Oh, the, the, uh, th the thing? <laughs> you took care of the thing? Yeah, sorry. Well, uh, as long as everything's all right, I uh, I guess I'll just say goodnight. Well, as long as, I, as everything's all right, I, uh, I guess. How great was it to see a big eyes picture, too, on the wall? Yes, um, that was uh, that was because of Joan Crawford. Oh yeah. Tom Crawford was an avid collector of um, Big Eyes paintings. By no kidding. Okay, fantastic. And she tries to get the, She tried to get them into every film that she was in, and so she got that. She got that in there along with Pepsi Cola. Pepsi Cola yeah. and Big Eyes, amazing. I wonder if Pepsi Cola ever did Big Eyes uh, advertising. That's a good question. They might wow. have. So, but you guys were going to say something. What was it you were about to say? Um. My mom made pointed out something about when she steps into the light and it, she sees herself and you know it quickly destroys her illusion of her childhood um beauty and everything and my mom said that that reminds her of in a streetcar named desire when um oh yeah is saying don't don't totally take the cards off of the lamps I yes will immediately expose yeah. her I totally oh. see that that's really that's a good call that's and I a think really good it call. makes the beach scene so poignant too, because it's just like in broad daylight. Yeah, yep, unremitting, unremitting clarity. Mm -hmm. No, so, no, no Vaseline on the lens. No, no favors. Yeah. And so double feet. Oh, sorry. Oh yeah, I'll just quickly. I'll just also add that we think that this is maybe one of the best, uh, one of the most accurate portrayal of sister relationships in all of cinema. <laughs> I, I, look, I don't know anything about sisters, but from what little I've been around sisters, it seems pretty accurate. I would, I would imagine that the, the hate is real. It's got to yeah. be very powerful. Yeah. Um, and yet you're there for each other until uh, the bitter end, even if you've caused that end, which is really a remarkable thing to think about. Um, double so, feature. Oh, double feature. Okay, this is going to be interesting. 
what about what about you ladies what do you think oh. uh... we're surprising you with this i know you you didn't you didn't have anything prepared but do anything come to mind you have an idea what's another sister one maybe i don't know sunset boulevard because there's kind of a reference in there yeah i mean that's a great that's a that would be great and i think there's a that one line about the car what do they make monsters like that for oh and that amazing line yeah that seemed like it was very much from from sunset boulevard i yeah. think that that was a line in it well i could be wrong they referenced that old they referenced the old antiquated car that that yeah. she has in that movie too right. for sure yeah oh that's a really good call um i'm gonna say um that i would double this up with a movie i found recently at a made it at a similar time a little bit maybe a little bit later but it's a movie called uh, lady in a cage which oh, is um an extraordinary melodrama uh in, in that that also could be taking place down the block from this movie like i feel like mm -hmm. this and psycho all like all these three movies kind of live in the same time period same they live on the same block and um, so you know, Lady in a Cage, early James, early James Con, and Olivia yeah. Olivia De Havilland. Is yeah, we we've we actually have not seen it, but it is on our list of things that we really want to see. We've watched the trailer over and over again. We just haven't had the time to. It is well worth your time. It really is fantastic, and um, as and weirder than this, it's like uh, a little later, I guess. It feels like they're it's it's a little bit more of an exploitation movie, you know which um, I don't know if it yeah. makes it better or worse, but it's, it's great. <laughs> oh, Lady in a cage. Come on. It doesn't, it doesn't get better. Matthew. Uh, I went with a movie we've covered already. I went with dead ringers. Okay. Because of the relationship. Between the... Similarly, uh, dysfunctionally uh, tied uh, together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you could also pair it with whatever biopic they end up making about you and me in the future. Okay. Okay. Well, that brings us to who we might be in the movie. We know oh, that, who that you was are, Alexis and Sophia. We know that you're the sisters. Yeah. What, uh, who are we? Uh, that was easy for me. I'm Wesley Addy and you're Bert Freed. <laughs> in, in, the, in the long walk and talk at the beginning of the movie. Okay. I will, I will totally accept that. Um, although I think that might be a, a little we might not get those roles. We might not no. do that well. So I, I think, think we're, I think, I think uh, let's hear me out. Out. hear me out. Hear me out. I think that I'm going to cast us as the, uh, the guys who are at the news, the news desk at the run, the ad, the ad want ads at the news desk. And which one are you and which one am I? You're, you're the, the guy at the desk who's talking to her. And I'm the guy who goes, who, who the hell is baby G? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> which brings me to the this idea is there any better thing in the movie than whenever betty davis is looking at somebody to see if they know who she is when she's like i'm i know what i was baby jade and she's like putting on that routine and she's kind of like giving them the side eye like seeing if they remember oh i love it yeah brilliant yeah all right so uh uh, best viewing experience best way to see it uh, i didn't think about that i think straight up just at a burlesque 
club, like at a drag night at a burlesque club, just talk back, you know, everybody doing cost, like everybody has to come in costume, everybody. That would be incredible. Well, I had another recasting of it too, as a, aside from uh, Alexis and Sophia. Yeah. Uh, my friends, Sean Allen Jones and Jonathan Williams, who I did a, I did a YouTube series with them where all three of us played women. Well, I, yeah. Okay. Uh, a YouTube series called Verdine and Glenita, where I played right. their aunt Betty and uh, Sean Allen Jones and Jonathan Williams would be pretty spectacular in this movie. Or, or you and George Wendrat. George went and I, yeah, well, we did, we did get to make out in, uh, in Verdine and Glenita. You've done a but, lot of drag work. I know. I-D-A, yo! <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, help me, please. Um, I so fear I, that I should not have brought up Verdine and Glenita on this no, show. It, 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 was a, it was that. pretty, it was pretty funny. Um, I remember laughing. Uh, I think it was great. great I would say I have two ways to go. I, I was thinking a great way to go would be like just like basically take the cast of um SCTV and have <laughs> Catherine O'Hara as Baby Jane, Andrea Martin as Joan Crawford, John Candy as Victor Buono, just right down the line. Oh my god, that would and be then so I thought cool. that would be a great way to go, but could it get better than maybe Paul Rubens playing everybody in this movie? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> literally like playing each character and cutting them together yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, i would really pay a lot to see that good night could be um wendy malick could be joan crawford yeah oh yeah wendy malick would be yeah. a good joan crawford mm -hmm. um yeah tracy ullman would have been a good another candidate for playing everybody yeah yeah uh, what about Peter Sellers? Oh well, Peter Sellers as the Victor Bruno part, he'd be he'd be a great person to play that role too. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick's "Whatever Happened to Baby Jane" is a terrifying thing to consider. Yeah, it would kind of yeah, kind Can of. Can you imagine I, I misery? Um, kind of misery parallels. Oh my gosh, yeah, Kathy Bates as um, Baby Jane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There you go. That would be that and would James be nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They All right. So what are, what, what are we doing next week? Uh, well, I don't know. What are we doing next week, uh, Alexis and Sophia? What are, do we have anything planned? Um, I don't know if we do have a plan. We kind of went off road here a little bit. So we had a plan and then we don't. Do we want to do, do we want to do more Betty Davis? I know Ilya is like, yeah, that's what everybody wants to see right now. Yeah. <laughs> Because we want to be successful, we want to get a yeah. lot of people watching. That'll Everybody's get Betty Davis up. fans. Yeah, yeah, that's going to get our numbers way up. We could do, we could do one better, because I think, as big a fan as I am of Betty Davis, like you know, just go rent her movies. Where we don't need us to talk about it, but we might need to talk about late John Crawford for a while. Mm -hmm. Late John and Crawford, do Trog, Trog and Trog. stuff like that. Uh, oh. What was the, the the caretakers trog things like that? So oh, I don't know jacket, trog. You don't know trog, huh? No. Mm, interesting. It's available to watch. I think we should go no further. Alexa, Sophia, have you seen trog? 
We have not seen it. We know about it. And same goes for Straight Jacket. Oh, Straight Jacket oh, is straight fantastic. Jacket. That's our. That's the next two. Please, is that okay next. with you? Yeah. Can we do that? Great. This is going to be fun. This is this is the way to go. So All Trog right. next week, and then Straight Jacket after that. Indeed. All right, we've got a plan, ladies and gentlemen. All right, fantastic. See you all next week. Thanks for your help. Bye. Good night. Oh, we're still live. <laughs> Where's the title sequence? <laughs> I don't know, but this is getting better and better. Talking about cocktails that are stylish, movies great or phony, and how Tony should win and Matthew, then Matthew should win and Tony. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.